turned out to be a beautiful day, huh? The biggest snowstorm of the year is here and gone in just a few minutes. <laughs> I agree with Michael, though. I just, when it rains like that, oh my, just, I think the very same thing. I, I measured in my mind how much would this be if this was snow? Wouldn't that be glorious? And Sherry's over on the other side of the room praying for rain and warm temperatures. But anyhow, we're glad you're here. And uh, thank the Lord for, for a good week this past week. And uh, answers to prayer and his presence uh, with us and leading God, opening doors and opening hearts and working in lives. God's still on the throne. Praise his name. Brother Ed Schultz, will you ask a blessing on our service this morning? Thank you, Lord, this morning for the privilege of being in your house. We thank you, God, for all the study that's gone into Sunday school lessons uh, ministry of the word. We pray that you will uh, help us in uh, every way that we have need. Bless in every portion of this service and may you uh, uh, help us to uh, have spiritual food that we can take home and uh, feast on the rest of the week. Thank you, Lord, for it. Thank you so much for all that you give us in Jesus' name. Amen. Amen. You may be seated. Make sure you say hello and then goodbye to Travis today. So Travis is heading out tonight, um, and we're, we're just we're glad he got this extended stay uh, to be home with us for a little while, but uh, he's, he's going to be heading out tonight, and we'll miss him, but we pray for him. Keep him in our prayers every day. Trust the Lord to help him, guide him, keep him safe, and we certainly appreciate what he is doing for our country, yeah. Amen. along with all the other servicemen. So make sure you, and women, make sure you uh, greet him uh, today following the service. Let's join him with Brother Adrian. All right, let's grab our hymn books this morning and turn to number 36. Number 36. It's always fitting to praise the Lord. Let's give him glory this morning. Number 36, to God be the glory. To God be
morning. He is worthy. All right, you're doing well. Let's turn to 348. 348. So glad this morning that he touched me. <laughs> Amen. Shackled by a heavy burden neath the load of guilt and shame, then the hand of Jesus touched me. What a testimony. I'm glad we can have that testimony this morning. Let's sing this song together, 348. Shackled by a heavy burden Neath the Lord of guilt and shame Let the hand of Jesus touch me And now I am no longer the same 
once said that this is the quietest world that we'll ever live in. And uh, I sometimes think we sing songs and yet we fully just don't get them. And this is one of those songs that should cause us to rejoice. Uh, you can remember the days when you were bound by sin's shackles. You can remember the time when you weren't where you should be spiritually. And then the hand of Jesus touched you and now you're not the same. That should cause some rejoicing at least once in a while. I, I don't think we're finished with this song yet. I think we need to sing that verse, that second verse one more time. And we need to think about what we're singing. One of these days, we're gonna shout it while eternity rolls. I don't know, something's gonna let loose in us. Uh, I, I'm not sure, we're, we're pretty tight sometimes, but when we get to heaven, we're gonna let loose and we're gonna shout it while eternity rolls. What a wonderful thing. All right, let's sing this verse one more time. Since I met this sit down we have someone that has a birthday today someone sitting behind me someone very special to all of us our pastor Beverly Lytle has a birthday today too as well and so we try at least I try uh, when I remember I try to sing happy birthday if you have a birthday that falls on a Sunday I like to try to remember that and there's others that have birthdays this week in our congregation, and happy birthday to you as well. Let's sing happy birthday to our pastor and Beverly Lytle this morning. Appreciate them. All right. Happy birthday to you. Happy birthday to you. Makes you, makes you uh, hope that your birthday never lands on Sunday, right? Good to be in church this morning. It's good to be in God's house. And um, this time we're going to go to the Lord in prayer. 
And uh, we have many requests. We always have a long list of requests. And um, one that I was thinking of is our bus ministry. We've been praying about God's been helping and blessing. We want to continue to remember our bus ministry, um, that God will give guidance and help and continue to help in the outreach and also in our search for a, a van. Um, there's been some that have come along, but obviously they haven't been the one that God has for us. We want the one that he wants. And um, so continue to remember that and make that a matter of prayer. Uh, let's also remember um, Pat's family, Pat passing away. Let's remember her family, that God will be with them in a special way. Uh, each and every one of them, thank the Lord for his faithfulness down to the end of life. And um, it's never too late. And God is always willing to reach out and to seek and save the lost. Let's remember their family and um, that this will impact them in a positive way. Let's also remember Mae Lucas, who is very sick um, from Brother Cooley's church. Let's remember her. She's very sick. Um, let's remember her in prayer. And also, as already mentioned, Travis flies out. Let's remember him in prayer, that God will be with him, give him traveling mercies, and continue to keep his hand of protection upon him and be with him in a special way. Um, throughout his life, let's remember our pastor and his wife as they are going to be leaving to go to Sun City Camp. Um, that God will be with them, keep his hand of protection upon them as they travel. Um, all those miles down there and be with them at camp time, help them to have a good camp and uh, to enjoy the warm weather while they're down there. Any requests that you'd like to mention this morning? Okay, let's remember this request. I would like yeah. us to remember Fred Nagel in prayer continuing. Um, he went through his surgery but with difficulties. And uh, right now, he cannot eat or swallow hardly anything. He's losing a lot of weight and very weak. <coughs> maybe they're going to have to put a feeding tube in him until his throat heals some and he can start having food and drink again. Okay, let's remember this request. God will give a touch there. Okay, let's continue to remember Anna with her hip replacement and had difficulty, as you know, and had to go back in for surgery, but still having a lot of pain. Let's remember her um, in prayer. A lot of sickness going around, going through our family, and still is kind of, so we would appreciate your prayers. And I'm sure there's a lot, a lot of us that are having sickness. Um, it seems like it's running rampant everywhere, and it's just a struggle, it seems like. But God knows all about that. I thank the Lord for his help and touch. Any other requests you'd like to mention this morning? Okay, let's remember this quest, request, Brittany's grandfather. Any others? Unspoken requests, by upraised hand, God knows every need. Um, we have many, many on our list here. To remember, God knows all about those and know the burden of our heart. If we stand this morning and go to the Lord in prayer, I'd like to ask Pastor Denver if he would come and lead us in prayer this morning. Father in heaven, we come to you today, Jesus. We're thankful for your love and thank you for your goodness, Father. You've been so good to us. Lord, we sang of praising you this morning. You're worthy of praise and of our worship and adoration, Lord. You're holy and true and good. And Father, we come to praise you this morning. We thank you for your love. We thank you, dear Jesus, for reaching our hearts. 
Lord, for coming down to meet us, Father. We thank you for that this morning. <clears throat> and Lord, we bring these requests to you this morning, Lord. We know you care about each one, each situation, Lord. Father, each trial, God, you're there to help us through, Lord. And as we come to you this morning, we pray in faith, knowing that God cares and God answers prayer. Lord, we just pray this morning, I think of Sister Duchy this morning, Lord, and that you would be with her and touch her physically. Help her, dear Father, we pray. Anna this morning, Lord, and the pain she's been experiencing. God, we pray that you would alleviate it, Father, that you would strengthen her and help her and John and bless them, dear Father. We pray. Think of uh, this friend of Deb's, Lord, and all the physical uh, battles he's dealing with right now. God, we just lift him to you and pray, Lord, that your grace and mercy would reach into his life, Jesus. You would touch him and help him, dear Father, we pray. God, that you would be with him and touch him, dear Jesus, we pray. Brittany's grandfather, Lord, you know this situation, God, and the details. We just lift them to you this morning. And Lord, we pray that you would touch. We pray that you would help, dear Father, be with our pastors. He travels down to Florida, keep them safe, Lord, in their traveling, Lord. Bless their ministry down there, dear Jesus. In their time, Father, we pray. God, touch the bus ministry, we ask this morning. We need your help, Lord Jesus. We need, we need your touch, dear Father. Thank you, Lord, for the help. Thank you for the touch thus far. But Lord, we pray that you would, you would continue to help, help each person that is involved, Lord, the bus us captains and the, and the riders, Lord, and the teachers, dear Jesus, would your, would your hand of blessing be upon them and be with them, dear Father, we pray. Lord, the need for a van, you know all the details, Lord. You have a perfect plan. We just look to you. Pray that your will would be done, Lord. The buses, Lord, that they would work properly, that the one would be repaired, dear Father, and just help with all that, we pray. We're thankful for your goodness this morning. We're thankful for your love, dear Jesus. Thank you that this time, Lord, that, that, that the body of Christ can come together to worship and to praise and to fellowship together. Lord, we give you praise for that. We're thankful for that this morning. Lord, help us this morning, Lord. We invite your presence. May the Holy Spirit and his presence be with us this morning. May we sense it, oh God, knowing you're here. Minister to our hearts. May we, may we live pleasing to you, be obedient to you, submissive to you, God. All for Jesus, all for his glory. May be the cry of our hearts, we pray. We give you praise this morning. We thank you. for answers to prayer. Thank the Lord that we can call. I, I'm truly thankful this morning that there's someone I can call on and who's listening. It's not like there's different religions today, but if you go back to the Old Testament, uh, Elijah on, on Mount Carmel with Baal and all those worshipers, you know, crying and doing all, their, all the stuff they were doing, crying out for their God. No God heard them, but when we speak, when we cry out to Jesus, there's a God who cares and there's a God who hears. I'm thankful for that this morning. I'm thankful to serve Jesus, to serve Jesus this morning. 
By way of announcements, the Youth Convention, Central Pennsylvania Youth Convention is coming up here. Last full week of the month, that's January 24th, which is a Wednesday through Sunday the 28th. Um, services are at 7.30, I believe, each evening over at the Beavertown Church. Of course, there's a little more information in your bulletin. There are announcements back on the foyer table. Um, I encourage you, if you're interested, to look at one of those um, and see the schedule. See the schedule there. Ushers, if you'll come, we'll wait on you this time for a morning, morning offering. Brother Cooler, would you help us here as well? We've got a cold front moving in, and I was thinking to myself last night, this is getting cold weather. The man who loves cold weather is heading to Florida. Something's awful suspicious about that, folks. Anyway, we pray that they have a good time down there. Brother DeStefano, ask God's blessing on the offering, please. Thank you for your giving. Thank you for that offertory. This time we have a special number and song. I believe a men's trio coming.
just blood can make the vilest sinner clean. And I know, yes, I know, Jesus' blood can make the vilest sinner clean. To the faint, he giveth power. Through the mountains makes a way, findeth water in the desert, turns the night to golden day. In temptation he is near thee, pulls the power of hell at bay guides you to the path of safety gives you grace for every day and I know yes I know Jesus blood can make the vilest sinner clean. And I know, yes I know, Jesus' blood can make the vilest sinner clean. And I know, yes I know, yes I know, yes I know, Jesus' blood can make the vilest sinner clean. And I know, yes I know, yes I know, yes I know, Jesus' blood can make the vilest sinner clean. Jesus' blood can make the vilest sinner clean. Jesus' blood can make the vilest sinner Thank you, fellas. That's wonderful, wasn't it? Wonderful song, wonderful reminder, wonderful fact. That's a matter of fact. Jesus' blood can make the vilest sinner clean. Well, that's exciting, isn't it? I just heard the story recently. Maybe I shared this with some of you on a Wednesday night. I think I'm a little too echoey or something. I didn't hear that story, but I'm just trying to help them out back here. Somebody can do something back there. It's annoying to hear yourself preach. But uh, I uh, got a little story to tell you real quick. Just came to my mind while they were singing. My aunt was laying on her couch, I guess it was. And just real recently, my aunt, Linda, my dad's one of my dad's younger sisters. All my dad's sisters are younger than he was, but uh, was laying on the couch. And she just said, Lord, I'm just a sinner. And she said, no, Lord, I'm the worst of sinners. And Jesus saved her. Isn't that wonderful? Yes. Jesus saved her. Yes. 
and I'm just so thrilled, so excited, and uh, I just, it does something for me. God's still on the throne. God's still working, moving. I tell you what, praise the Lord, praise the Lord. Brother uh, Rowan Fay uh, goes around and says, I'm connected, yes, you know. I tell you what, I like to go around and tell people, get plugged in. Get plugged in. God's still moving and God's still working. And he's still dealing with hearts and it's just exciting. It's exciting to be a Christian. Well, we have a brand new little feller here with us today. I should never say anything about it because they say, oh, you're just boasting about your grandkids. Who cares? Let the lights go out. <laughs> oh, I'm just happy to have my newest little family member with us, Zane. And uh, just glad to have him here, Zane Lee. And uh, everything's going good. They say you should never say that, you know, your baby's beautiful, your grandson's beautiful. So, folks, he's just as ugly as can be. <laughs> no, he's just cute. I think he's cute. And uh, I think all babies are cute. Is that all right? Yeah. I think all babies are cute to someone. <laughs> but they are, aren't they? Because they're a gift from God. They're a gift from God. And uh, we're just thankful to have him here. His, he's, he's probably going to be one of those uh, people that are always ahead of schedule because he was supposed to be born today on this great day. And uh, we're thankful that actually he wasn't really uh, because we were able to spend some time with him before we had to head out. I was willing, I told my wife, if he's not here uh, yet and he's not born till today or whenever, I said, she could always stay here and then I'd fly her down uh, later and I could go down to Sun City and start cooking for the camp. I can fix bacon and eggs on my own. And uh, we could do something down there and make it happen, but we're just thankful that we can go, uh, go down together. I'm sure all the people down there in the food line will be thankful uh, too. But we're happy to have him uh, with us, and it's just uh, it's exciting. I always thought that I would enjoy being a grandpa, and I love it. I do. I get texts from people, you know, how's this grandpa thing working out for you? Oh, I text them, oh, it's really rough. <laughs> well, of course not. I love it. And uh, I like it very, very much. So, And I would just say the more the merrier. Praise the Lord. Yeah. Although the other night uh, when I couldn't sleep because I was so nervous and restless and the baby finally came, uh, I told Sherry, I said, tell Marie no more, no more. Because <laughs> I was just, you know, that's tough on a grandpa. That's hard on a grandpa. But anyhow, I got over that pretty quick. So I say, bring them on, bring them on. Well, I want to talk to you about that today. I want to talk to you about birth. It's exactly what I have on my heart for this morning. It has nothing to do with my little uh, grandson, uh, nothing to do with that at all. But I want to talk to you from John chapter 3, verses 1 through 3. I guess it would be early on in my ministry, I felt like there's a passage of Scripture, a chapter uh, in, the, in the Bible that probably, as the Lord would lead uh, ministers, should probably be preached upon at least once a year, because it's just key to what we believe, who we are, and uh, it's key to the entire Scripture, and it's key to the whole doctrine of salvation from our Lord uh, that He brought to us. And we come through this Christmas season, we're so grateful for the fact that He came. Um, but I want you to go in your Bibles to John's Gospel again, chapter 3, just the first three verses. Let's stand together. John chapter 3, verses 1 through 3. I love the, it's just a brief story, all the little 
snippets we have of Nicodemus. It's just kind of a brief uh, story, but it's an exciting one. There was a man of the Pharisees named Nicodemus, a ruler of the Jews. The same came to Jesus by night and said unto him, Rabbi, we know that thou art a teacher come from God, for no man can do these miracles that thou doest except God be with him. Jesus answered and said unto him, Verily, verily, I say unto thee, Except a man be born again, he cannot see the kingdom of God. Brother Adrian, would you ask a blessing on our message, please, this morning? Man, you may be seated. You know, there's a lot of passages in the Scripture that uh, have a lot of different interpretations and a lot of different variations the way uh, maybe people see this as important or that as important. It's all part of our nature, I suppose, and and uh, it's just by maybe it's by design that we're used to pick each other's uh, brain or encourage the thought process to continue on. But um, this, the fact that Nicodemus came by night has been the subject matter of many of discussions, and I've read after a lot of uh, people. Uh, concerning this, and there's a lot of different ideas as to why he uh, came at night. Uh, but I was reading out somebody this week, and I thought, boy, they spent all their energy on trying to explain why he came to Jesus by night, and when they got to what Jesus had to say back to him, they really didn't have too much to say. They spent a page and a half talking about why he came by night, and they get over here about being born again, they just kind of passed over that, and I think that's the most important part of the whole story. And so I think, uh, I think it bears us talking about for a little while uh, on a regular basis. Some say that uh, he came by night because he was a timid man. I could identify with that. And because he was a, uh, some say that he came because he was a religious leader among the Pharisees and that he was afraid to be seen uh, with Jesus for fear that his associates maybe would uh, criticize him or look down upon him. Um, maybe there would be some kind of animosity directed his uh, direction. Some say that's why. And yet others say that uh, this view could not be correct at all because this was too early in Jesus' ministry and there really wasn't uh, that much uh, opposition that had been created at this point. And then there's others that say he came by night simply because Jesus was so busy during the day uh, doing the miracles that Nicodemus had even talked about. He was so busy during the day that there just was no time to approach him uh, during the day. He couldn't get an audience with him. And still another view is that Nicodemus was so busy during the day being a member of the Sanhedrin uh, that he would only be free during the evening after work hours uh, to come to Jesus and be able to get to him. Well, what do you think? Well, I have no idea, to be quite honest with you. I have no idea. I've read a lot of opinions and many others from others. But he might have had a wife that was ordering him around so much, and when she finally crawled into bed at night, he decided it was his time to uh, go out and take a walk. Maybe that's why. I have just no idea why it happened. But the truth is, we can guess and surmise and explain and argue the whys and the wherefores all day long and still possibly miss the reason why he came by night. Well, like one writer said, maybe there really was no reason. I know that's referenced several times in the Scripture from this passage and other passages as well, but maybe there really was no reason. But I can tell you this, just a few chapters later, according to John's writing in chapter 7, verses 50 and 51, Nicodemus defended Jesus before the uh, Pharisees and the leaders of the Jews. So, uh, I don't know if he was timid when he came to Jesus that first night. Uh, I, I don't know if that's why. I don't know if he was trying to do it secretly. I don't know if that's why. But I can tell you this, uh, something, if that's the case, something changed 
uh, in his life. And something uh, brought him about because later here he defends Jesus. And certainly he didn't seem to be very uh, backward when he helped Joseph uh, to go take the body and prepare the body for uh, burial when all the other disciples were kind of like uh, missing in action. So uh, he evidently wasn't embarrassed or afraid at that particular time. But honestly, uh, a couple things we cannot argue about when it comes to this passage of Scripture. And that is this. Nicodemus was first of all convinced that this man Jesus came from God. He was convinced of that, that he came from God. And secondly, he believed that no individual could do these kind of great doings, these miracles, unless God be with him. So he looked at those things and said those things very clear so we know what they are. But those are important, but let me talk to you this morning about the greatest fact in the scripture that we read. And it's in this here account, the actual words of Jesus himself when he said, except a man be born again, except a man be born again, cannot see the kingdom of God. But you know, even at the words of Jesus, even when Jesus speaks something clear like that and reemphasizes actually a few verses later, but when he speaks something clear like that, you know some people find it awful easy to argue and question as to what Jesus is saying and they uh, go through their life really never discovering the truth or they go through their life trying to uh, be persuaded that the truth isn't, isn't the truth. But I just could never really honestly understand this, why anybody churchy, Anybody churchy around the church, raised in the church, brought up in the church, uh, would ever want to argue that point. Jesus said it. And very dogmatically when he's very straightforward, very clear, uh, very resounding uh, when he said it, that you must be born again. Now, I understand that sometimes unchurched, non-religious people question a particular uh, doctrine or a, a directive that is discovered in God's Word. Maybe it's something that they saw for the first time in their life. Maybe they never heard it before. Maybe they weren't raised around the church. Maybe they never attended Sunday school. And they hear something for the first time, and so sometimes they come about and they say, well, I don't know. I never heard that before. I've got to think about that. I'm going to uh, process that. But I want to tell you something, folks. I, I've discovered, Brother Spanger has discovered in my little realm of people, I have discovered that often is the case you'll find more questions in arguing coming from within the pew than you will people who are out there on the streets just living their life ho-hum every day outside of the church. When you present to them, often when you present to them the gospel truth, many of those people are taken back because this is a brand new truth. You know what it means? It means to me that sometimes we get kind of convenient. We get kind of convenient upside of some things, and they just become kind of nonchalant to us. But Jesus himself said, except ye be born again. And I would never, ever want any of us here at our church or anywhere for that matter to think that Jesus didn't mean what he said. I believe that he did mean what he said. An unregenerated heart may, may well question something uh, that they've come across in the Word of God, but why would someone who's been raised around the church and schooled in the Christian walk uh, wish to bypass something as important as this or skirt around a particularly clear truth presented by Jesus Christ himself? Namely, that the only way to heaven is through a process known as the second birth. Just a few moments later, Jesus re-emphasizes to Nicodemus, marvel not, or don't you be stunned and shocked and surprised that I said unto thee, you must be born again. 
being reminded over the past two Fridays of the drastic difference between leaving this world either as a born-again believer or not. I guess the older I get, the more sensitive I become, but I've just come to the important fact, folks, we better be ready to leave this world. And, you know, I think about uh, happenings that are just all around us. Family, friends, people that I don't know, even that I hear about, even just today, again, heard about it again. People who have no physical issues, no trouble whatsoever, but here today and gone tomorrow. And you know, it's pretty hard. It's very difficult to, to offer some kind of, of consolement, some kind of comfort to, to a family and that's, and that's what they want. That's what they need. But it's very hard to do that when you don't know that their loved one has made the city. That's very difficult for a preacher to do. In fact, really, there's hardly anything you can say. When we go to a situation like that, we try to preach to the living. We try to, we try to tell the family, make sure you're ready. Be prepared. Give your heart to God. Because you know, as pretty as it sounds, not everyone that dies goes to heaven. I guess the part that troubles me the most is sometimes I feel like that doctrine is creeping into our circles in the church world. Until God sets a standard from his word, God sets a standard from his word, and even though it's violated, we get the mentality that it really doesn't matter because they were at least churchy. But I would never want to trifle with the words of Jesus. I often see those who know, they have read, they've actually believed what Jesus said, but they never get around to personally experiencing it. I mean, I often, Brother Spangler often meets people uh, like that. And then I also see those who have had very little exposure to it, and all of a the sudden they, are, they just willingly open wide their heart. And they accept him. Friday night, this past Friday night, I was awakened about 2 in the morning. It seemed like I was startled awake, actually. I was home alone, but uh, I don't know what time I went to bed, maybe 10, 10.30, but uh, I was startled awake about 2 o'clock and, and, uh, with the realization that, uh, that somehow, somehow we, the church, in general, need to be more focused in spreading the word that to be prepared to leave this world, you have to be born again. I don't know what all the answers are, but I'm just saying that somehow we have to be able to spread the word better than what we have done to let people know you must get your heart right with God. You must be saved. You must, you must accept Jesus Christ as your personal Savior. You must be born again. Because none of us have the guarantee. Today there's a funeral for a friend of mine, a childhood friend, who was born actually today, same day. We were the exact same age. Healthy, my age. No sickness, no problems, but a heart attack and she's gone. 
raised in the same church that I was raised in. Folks, it just, it just happens. We could tell story after a story, give account after account. It just happens. And I don't know where you are in your Christian walk, and I don't even want to surmise where you are in your Christian walk, but I want to tell you this. You need to know where you are in your Christian walk. You got to know. You have to know that your heart's been made new, that your life's been changed. I begin to weep and ask God, what else can we do? How can we reach those who truly want you? And I prayed, Lord, I feel like sometimes I'm just spinning my wheels. Have you ever felt that way? You're just spinning your wheels. I mean, thinking about the, the host of my family. Just sometimes I just feel like I'm spinning my wheels. And I said, Lord, I don't want to spin my wheels. Steer us in the right direction. Guide us in the right. Don't allow us to get in a rut till where we, where we become satisfied with not getting done what you've asked us to do. Help us, Lord, to put forth all of our efforts. Sometimes I feel like as believers, even as preachers, we spend too much time on things that just, aren't, that just do not matter. And we have little time left for the things that do. Now, I'm not trying to call you to be a preacher or call you into the ministry. You have a job to do. Maybe you work at a factory. You work here. You work there. You do whatever the case might be. Or maybe you're uh, retired. I'm, I'm not trying to place a calling on you. But I am trying to tell you this, that as Christians, we have a responsibility as Christians to share the gospel, to let people know the truth. It's not a truth that we design. It's not a truth that we put together. It's not something that, that we've devised, a plan that we have somehow come up with for the saving. It's something that Jesus has presented to us. He says, you must be born again. Nicodemus, you're, you're, you're a church man. I preached from this passage, this thought in 22. You're a church man. You're, you're involved. You're plugged in. But that didn't matter. I'm not preaching that message today, but that thought is very real to me today, that oftentimes we get comfortable because we're plugged into the church in a sense. But I would ask God to help us to plug into him and to know that things are right and well uh, in our heart. We're busy going here and there and doing what we see as necessary and acceptable, but the reality is... Um, our families and our friends and our neighbors and our congregations and our co-workers uh, and, and our students, uh, they must be born again. They'll not make heaven. Whether it be our parents or our siblings or our children or our grandchildren, the rule never changes. There's no exceptions, no variations. Now, personally, I take comfort in the fact that it doesn't change. And I've shared that with you a little over a year. I take comfort in the fact that it doesn't do. We don't have to get up today and try to figure out what God expects of us. We don't have to get up today and try to pray and decipher from the word of God what it is that would qualify us as a candidate for heaven. Because it never changes. We know. We need not seek for, for or look for another solution. Uh, it's already presented. It remains and it's just as current today as it was the day Jesus spoke it to Nicodemus. It's certainly noteworthy to point out that Jesus began his answer uh, back to Nicodemus with the words, verily, verily, or amen, amen. And the double use of that word, amen, uh, before a statement always indicates that there's a great 
important statement coming forward. Something is about to be said. To interpret his statement as, may I have your undivided attention, please? This statement is of utmost importance and never to be forgotten. That would not be doing any injustice to what Jesus was saying when he gave this statement to him. Literally, Jesus was making a statement of utmost and highest importance. And, and if you can remember nothing else, do never forget this. Except a man be born again, he shall not see the kingdom of God. There's a lot of discussion as to, okay, are we referring to heaven then? Or are we referring to entering into the work and the will of the Lord now? Well, I don't have to uh, say it's one or the other. I like to think that it's both. I like to think that it's both. I think it's accepting Jesus Christ as your Savior here, being born again as your Savior, living the life here, and eventually you'll live for over there. But rather the very first directive is, is not here somehow that uh, we start living the life. We start, I don't know, doing the rules. That's not what really Jesus is saying. He's, he's saying this. He's saying to Nicodemus, the first directive simply begins with this. Live. Live. Before you can any, do anything relative to walking the Christian walk, you've got to live. And in order to live, you have to what? You got to be born. So become a Christian. Give your heart to Him, allowing to give you a new heart. Become a Christian. We don't look down the road at all the quote rules of the church or the way even grandma and grandpa lived. We don't look to those things and adopt those things and then become a follower of Christ. No. We get a new heart. We get a new heart. In our lives, the spiritual man is, is to be uh, brought to life before the physical man can do in, in accordance with the will of God. And although I don't read after him much, and some people would probably never read after him, but I do because I have a few of his books. A.W. Pink said this. Now I know he's off base in a lot of areas. I understand all of that, and I know he's lived. He lived a little bit everywhere. He lived here for a year and there for a year, and moved and moved all across the United States and over to Australia and wherever. He lived in Union County, uh, by the way, for a year. He lived right here in our county uh, for a little while, and uh, he was put out of churches and voted out of churches and banned from congregations uh, stateside and abroad uh, because of some of his beliefs, but. He said this, he said, no man can live Godward until he has been born again. You know, when I, when I read that, I thought, oh, that is just so true. That's very basic. It's very fundamental. That's very fundamental. But no man can live Godward until he is first born again. And that, that's just so true. Um, but that thought that no man can live Godward until he's been born again, that is a basic truth that needs to be remembered. That's something that we need to, to remember. It's, it's interesting to me of the amount of people who profess to be living the Christian life, but they have really never been born again. Now, I have a little issue with this, and you can just say it's a, it's a quirk. 
I have a little issue with it. But I, I like to hear somebody testify to a point and place and time when they gave their heart to Jesus. I like that. But there are some people who say, you know, I can't say exactly when it was. Maybe they were little. I don't know. Honestly, maybe they were half intoxicated. So there are some people who are Christians today, serving God today with all their hearts, and they really can't go back and say, it was on a Friday night at 7 o'clock. They can't do that. But I, I just can't help but feel like if it happened in your life, you're going to know that it happened. You're going to know that it happened. And I think maybe we don't have to always know the case in point of it, but I think we can identify with the fact that it happened. It's interesting to me also to think about those that put all their spiritual life in the fact that somewhere it happened. Now, maybe nothing's happened from then till now, but somewhere it happened. I like to think of this. I like to think that when a person gets a new heart, they start living. They start living. That being said, and without apology, I would say this. I also believe that there is the possibility of being born again without really knowing what just happened. I think that there's the possibility of a person being born again, made new. The divine act of God happening in their lives without them really understanding what happened. Um, I've known several people. I've pastored some others who never had the first idea as to the term or the process of being born again. But they came to a hard crossroads in their life. And they started doing the only thing they knew to do. They looked up toward heaven. In their spiritual life, they looked up toward heaven. And they started feeling guilt. We call it condemnation for their sin, for their wrong, for their failures, for their misgivings. And they start saying, God, I'm sorry. And as these things begin to roll through their mind, God, I'm sorry. I'm sorry. Would you forgive me? One particular fellow that I'm thinking of just prayed this prayer. God, would you help me to do better? That's how he prayed. Would you help me to do better? I want to tell you something. Any person that prays the prayer from their heart and means, God, would you help me to do better? I think God will be right there to help them do better. But they came to that crossroads when they knew so little, but all of a sudden a great change happened. Something happened. They didn't really even know what they were asking for directly, except they knew that they were miserable in their sin, in their life. And as I shared Friday morning, they were fearful to die. That is the grace of God that can wipe away that fear. That's the grace of God. As one said, God backed them into a corner before they actually realized their need for him. Well, they were not from a church pew. They did not kneel at an altar. But they did humbly bow their wayward heart before the Lord 
and they sought him for both forgiveness. I'm giving their testimony, forgiveness of sins and freedom from them, to which God granted both. Almost three months later, they knew what to call what had happened in their life. I remember hearing the story about a man who years ago prayed and got saved in his vehicle on the way home from work. He was driving in the state of Pennsylvania on the Pennsylvania Turnpike. I don't remember what it was called back then, Superhighway or whatever it was called. But the fellow, some of you maybe do remember what it was called before it was called the Pennsylvania Turnpike. But he was driving down the road on the Pennsylvania Turnpike, and the Lord's presence settled down in his, his uh, vehicle, and he, and he prayed, and he got gloriously saved. Got gloriously saved. And he got so blessed in his vehicle that he got out of his vehicle, and he began to walk up and down the side of the road, Turnpike. Now, this is years ago. It isn't like it is now, that's for sure. But he was, it was probably still dangerous because of the way the story goes. But he's walking up and down the road. He's blessed. He's crying. And a policeman, a policeman pulled over. I think, I think nowadays it would be a state, state patrol, state trooper. But a policeman pulls over and asks the man, what's the wrong? What's the problem? And the fellow says, the problem is my mother who has long gone on to heaven, has finally got her prayer answered. And the trooper really didn't know what to say. The policeman didn't really know what to say. But he said, well, that's really good. And he said, I'm very happy for you. But he said, I want you to get back in your vehicle before you go see her. <laughs> I thought, boy, when I came across that story, heard that story, I thought, man, I hope I can dig that one back up. And I found it. He didn't even know how to explain it. He really didn't even know how to explain to the officer that he just got saved. He just knew that he was a miserable wretch and he would work and come home from work. And on his way home from work, he would get off the turnpike and stop at a bar that was right there at the exit. And he would drink up his earnings and drink up his money. But he would sober up enough the next day to go to work and come home. And he went through that pattern. And one day he went through there and God got a hold of his heart and something happened to him. And the only thing he knew to say was mom's prayers got answered. I can't help but feel that when a person is born again, there's a noticeable change. Not only do they know it, but those around them know it. Why? Because there's a birth that took place. Aren't births exciting? <laughs> Heard from a couple elderly people. Births are exciting. It's neat. It's great. It's wonderful. But you know, folks, it takes a birth. It takes a birth in order to be saved. It takes a birth in order to be saved from a devil's hell. The songwriter said it so well, born again, there's really been a change in me. Born again, just like Jesus said. That phrase, except a man, emphatically states that no man can be saved without this great miraculous experience. Experience the spiritual birth termed born again by Jesus. Now that's really interesting here that that word again is translated a lot of other places in the Scripture in the New Testament. It's translated from above instead of again. 
So what really what Jesus was clearly telling Nicodemus is that a man cannot be a part of the kingdom of God until he is born from above. And I think that's so important for us to realize. Following this birth comes the enabling to live the new life. A man can't live it before he is born into it. But I promise you this, after a person is born again, he will be able to live it. And I will say something else here. After a person is born again, he will desire to live it. And furthermore, he will enjoy living it. When a person's born again, praise the Lord. This is a good way to live, folks. I just never felt like, never really felt the urge to raise my children to feel sorry for the Christian believer. I didn't want to raise them that way. I didn't want to raise my children saying, we can't do that because we're a Christian. I wanted to raise my children saying, we can do this because we're believers, because we're a Christian. We have this because we've been born again. We have this because we're saved. We have this because we walked in the light. I wanted them to be burdened for sinners, not feel sorry for saints. I never considered acting like the way of Christianity was a restrictive way because I don't feel that way. Quite the contrary, I feel like it's a way of freedom. But the only way to sense and know this freedom is to first encounter a new birth. And we do a great injustice to our children or others as well if we emphasize the outward evidences over the inner ones. Doesn't mean we throw them aside, but if we emphasize that over a personal experience. What I mean by that is that without a new heart, it's just not so enjoyable to try to live the new life. It's just not. And although we must endeavor to raise our families with great carefulness, under uh, consistent biblical and godly uh, instilled principles, we must never fail to realize that a person's experience can only be real. Valuable if they started with a new birth. We want to instill in them Bible principles. We want to instill in them a good way to live, a holy way to live. We want to instill in them that God is still God, that sin is still sin, that heaven's for real, that hell's for real. We want to instill in them them things, but we can't forget what Jesus said. Got to be born again be saved. You've got to have them in your heart. So many expressions that we use. We cannot afford to teach the Christian walk without teaching and preaching the new birth. The Christian walk can never be about simply mending our ways. It's got to be a new birth. And I'm so thankful that it wasn't Peter or Paul, but it was Jesus. Because I've met a few of those that say, well, that's Paul's thoughts, and that's Peter's thoughts. That's Peter under here, you know. But this is Jesus. Pretty hard to argue with him. No need to. <laughs> He's already won the argument. Shall we stand? Brother Roy, you dismiss us, please.
Thank you, Lord. I ask you to go with each one of us. Bring us back to the 